I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. On today's episode, I speak with Caitlin Greffley, who made a bold career move in 2019 from selling beer to being a software engineer. She loves the work and is also passionate about writing about it, talking about it, and encouraging others to make their own bold career changes. Today, she shares advice and wisdom for those curious to do as she did and take the leap of faith into the tech industry. I've written some articles trying to encourage employers to like look outside of their normal pool of CS graduates to and think about like what else someone can bring to the team. And then once they're on the team, like how you can help them be a very valuable member. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, lessons from unconventional paths to tech. And be sure to listen all the way to the end of today's episode as I'm talking with Dan Moore, the author of the book Letters to a New Developer, which is made up of letters to his past self, illustrating lessons he learned and what he wishes he had known when he was just starting out. Today, we chat about his favorite parts of the book, and he shares a discount code for the We Belong Here listeners. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Hi, thanks for having me. So happy to have you. Thanks for being a part of it. I suppose let's like go back in time and can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Yeah, so I took a very roundabout path to get into tech. I originally got my bachelor's degree in psychology, did not use that. Sure, you're like, thank you, graduation, diploma, and total different direction. I mean, it didn't help that I graduated college in 2010, which was like, there just weren't many jobs out there, especially for new grads. It was a dark time, I remember. (laughs) So I ended up um, getting a job working at a beer bar, and that kind of led me into the beer industry. And I spent seven years in the beer industry, most of which I was in sales. Um, So yeah, that was kind of what I was doing before I got into tech. And I just kind of realized, I kind of got burnt out on sales and realized Mm. it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And to be honest, I never felt particularly good at sales. I don't have quite the personality type to be super successful there. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. And it you're right, it is a very particular personality that succeeds and is, you know, just kills that that space. Yeah. Okay. Was it kind of just like luck of the draw of the role you found when you were out of school and then just stuck with it? Or what about beer in particular? Oh, I never meant to be in the beer industry. I was actually, (laughs) I was um, an au pair in Italy and got really interested in wine. And when I came back to the States, I moved to San Francisco and tried to get a job at a wine bar. And during during the interview, they were like, oh, well, we're actually opening a beer bar. We're going to put you there instead. So oh. I was like, okay, like whatever. The rest and, was history. Yeah. <laughs> and while I was there, I got into homebrewing and I just started learning more about beer. I was really into the educational side. I'm actually also a certified Cicerone, which is kind of like a sommelier for beer. Um, Say the word again. Cicerone. 
this around. Okay, love that. That's so interesting. All right, so it's the equivalent of a sommelier for wine, but for beer. Like a mid-level one. Yeah, and so I just, I was really passionate and still am about like the history of beer and how you make it and everything, but most of the jobs in the industry are sales. And so that just kind of ended up being the path I was on. And I kind of got like seven years down that path and was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I, what am I doing here? (laughs) This is not really where I want to be. Suddenly you wake up and you're like, oh, I've been in this and I've been like chasing the next promotion or job or like, and I'm in it. And it's like, wait, why am I here again? Uh, That's so relatable. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Okay. So then what on earth was it? How did you decide to learn to code? Like why, where's that motivation? But then secondly, how did you learn to code? I feel like I don't want to say that like all my big decisions in life were total accidents, but (laughs) (laughs) when I think about how I went from beer to tech to my favorite part of my job in the beer industry, um, I was doing corporate sales at the end. And for that, I used a lot of um, data analytics to like tell the story of how my beer was doing in the market. Like think about a grocery store. There's data for how many six pack your local IPA are sold there. And so I got really into data analytics and I was like, maybe I can make a career in data somehow. And I started looking into data analytic boot camps, and I um, actually applied for one. I'm not sure which one it was. And they rejected me because I didn't know how to code. Um, and I was like, oh, that's like, a fun version of gatekeeping. Wow. Yeah, like, how does coding have anything to do with this? Like, I don't know anything about coding. I'm not a computer person. I could never fix the printer. And so I, but it like kind of piqued my interest. And I was like, well, what is this like coding thing? If I'm interested in this path that might be adjacent to this, then maybe I'd be interested in it too. And at the time, I was very, very ready to leave my job. And so I'm one of those people that, I mean, for better or worse, I'm just impatient. If I'm unhappy somewhere, I'm going to yeah, make yeah, moves yeah, pretty quickly. I can really do that. So you were like, I, all right, I'm ready. I want something and I'm going to go find it. Yeah. And so from the day that I got rejected from that like data boot camp to the day that I signed up for a coding boot camp, I want to say was like a week or two. It was a very short time span in which I was like, what the heck is coding? Why would I ever do that? I'm not a computer person to like take all my money. I'm going to do a full career change and try this. So I think I like kind of took an educated guess. I like messed around with some exercises on like free code camp and stuff. And um, I think did like a hello world and was like the career like prospects. I was like, there's a lot of jobs here. There's a lot of money here. There's a lot of like flexibility. If I ever wanted to work from home, work abroad, like have a family, um, all like this lines up with all those things. And it feels like a, in sales, I felt like sometimes it was hard to kind of prove myself and feel like I was doing a good job without either bragging or maybe pushing something into someone, pushing someone into something they weren't interested in. And I was like, maybe tech with this being like a more knowledge field, maybe I can just like use my brain and work hard and, and do a good job. And, and so that appealed to me about the field. And um, yeah, like I said, I just kind of like decide to go for it. I was like, this is my, I spent $9,000 on my boot camp, And I was like, this is my $9,000 bet. I bet 
that this is what I want to do and let's find out. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah, that's a big leap of faith, right? And and boot camps are no easy feat by any means and are you know, exhausting and allow for no other extracurricular hobbies or interests or personal life. And, you know, it's just a big switch. Uh, how did you find it? I mean, it was really hard for sure. I I worked full time through my first three months of the boot camp. Wait, stop. Did you just say you worked during your boot camp? The first three months of it, I had my job. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can't imagine. Yeah, it was Good rough, but I my job at the time kind of allowed for it because I worked remotely for my company and on a flexible schedule. It wasn't like a nine to five. So I got really, I actually got really good at my job during that time. I think I got very efficient with what I had to get done. Yeah. I would get all my work done in like five to six hours um, in a day. And then I would spend like three to four hours a day on my boot camp and a lot of time on the weekend as well. And it was really hard, I, especially when I was working and in the boot camp. I definitely remember crying. <laughs> I definitely remember thinking, like, this is way too hard for me. I'm never going to figure this out. I'm like, you know, like a lot of people feel like I'm not smart enough. I'm like, what have I done? Um, and then I kind of like, I hit a hump around like three months after like really struggling to learn React, um, which was the framework on the front end. And um, after I like, it started to click and I started to like figure it out and start making what I felt like were really cool websites. I was just like, okay, like this is for sure what I want to be doing. This is so much fun. Yes, it's a struggle, but I seem to struggle and then figure it out and somehow get to the other side. And um, the second half of the boot camp, I ended up quitting my job. Um, second half of the boot camp for me was a lot more um, time consuming, especially considering I was applying for jobs as well. And so I'm really glad I didn't work during that, at least full time. I had some random side hustles. I was like walking dogs for Rover and driving for Grubhub a couple of weeks just to like kind of not go completely broke. Um, but yeah. And then I got hired for my first job actually right before I finished the boot camp. So I never officially. That's congratulations. That's impressive because that, yeah, that terrifying moment when folks finish a program and then they're like, what now do I do? Yeah. Um, and so what was that first role? Mm -hmm. um, I'm still in it. Um, I'm an associate software engineer at Zapproved. It's a corporate legal e-discovery company in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> oh, very cool. For some reason, I thought you were an instructor afterwards at a coding for kids program. Oh, so that was actually, I forgot about that role. Um, I did do that in the second half of my coding. Oh, that was during the program. Got it, got it, got it. I just love those sorts of programs. And I'm really, yeah, always curious about curriculum that they put together for that sort of stuff. And that's awesome that you did that. That's really cool. Hello, We Belong Here listeners. I recently learned about a new empowering and personable book that every career transitioner will love. It's called From Cubicle to Cloud, How to Start and Scale a Virtual Professional Service Business by the Queen of Cass herself, Jennifer Brazer. 
She gives vital and empowering advice to entrepreneurs at all stages in their entrepreneurship journey, working to scale their businesses in a post-COVID world. Jennifer's experiences while building her company, Complete Controller, produced an essential guide for anyone wanting to create a cloud-based service business. Her groundbreaking business, which disrupted and reinvented client account services, is one of the first completely cloud-based accounting services in the country. Whether your specialty is accounting, therapy, design, law, coding, or another field, Jennifer's book provides indispensable tools that will set up a cloud-based professional service for maximum success while sharing entrepreneurship dreams, nightmares, and lessons learned along the way. Are you ready to take your business to the cloud in 2021? From Cubicle to Cloud is published by Greenleaf Book Group and is available everywhere books are sold starting January 26, 2021. But you can pre-order online now from your favorite book retailer. While you wait for your book to arrive, check out Jennifer's favorite breakthrough exercise for entrepreneurs, the pen to paper at jenniferbrazer.com. Congratulations on finding your role outside of the program. That's incredible. How are you finding it? Oh, it's great. I feel like I got really lucky. I mean, to be honest, I didn't dream about corporate legal e-discovery before I got this job. That was not like, ooh, I can't wait to write legal software. Um, You know, sometimes the product doesn't really need to be the thing that we care, yeah. you know, it doesn't, yeah, sometimes you get lucky and it's like, it matches well with uh, maybe one day you'll work on a beer, oh beer, or like, is that a CMS that they use in that industry? Something like that? Like, you know, maybe there's, I'm sure there's a way to merge the two, but I hear you, um, it, but you love it otherwise. Well, yeah. I mean, so I think like going into it, I was like, this feels like kind of a random job. I have no idea about the legal industry. Like I know no jargon yeah. outside of like, what I've seen on law and order. And, um, I got into it and I realized that that's not what's most important to me. What's most important to me, especially as a junior developer is being very supported by my teammates and having a good work life balance and being able to like learn on the job and feel like I've never felt like less than in my company because I came from a less traditional educational background. Like a safe space to ask questions and you know folks that you can go to to when you're stuck on something totally. and you won't be judged for. Yeah, see that's the dreamiest thing that you can ask for mm-hmm. when you're like starting out and trying to make sense of things because there are, I mean, countless there will never be uh, a finite number of or like defined number of things we don't know because there's just so many and so yeah, mm-hmm. being able to kind of not have an ego in that and be able to be vulnerable and and ask questions to the team. I mean, that's priceless. Yeah. Agreed. That's incredible. Well, congratulations. That's really, really cool. Uh, and, and I know you also have done a lot of kind of like writing and speaking, uh, for junior developer audience and kind of helping the industry also understand, you know, how we can better support them and folks that are joining the space. So that is really cool. How did you kind of get started doing that? I, I guess I just, once I got my job, I got, I built up a little bit of confidence and I was like, you know what, this was such an amazing process. Like I, six months ago, I was selling beer and 31 years old and thought like, am I, did I stick myself in this career that I don't particularly like for the rest of my life? And then, you know, a 
a relatively small amount of money compared to what it costs to get a bachelor's degree. And only six months later, I was in this new field making almost as much as I was making in my previous role. And, and I just felt like everyone should know about this. Like this is a great opportunity. And there's so many people who feel like they're stuck in their jobs, but they're just going to keep doing it because they don't know what else to do. And especially thinking about like, thinking back in time to like when I was in high school, I was really good at math. And um, the only careers anyone could ever tell me that like could be relevant to that was like being a math teacher or an accountant. And I would have come to me and said, like, you clearly have this like, logical brain, like maybe coding is something you might want to play around with. Thinking about how people like me kind of like, missed out on it the first round and it never even occurred to me to major in computer science in college and so I just like kind of start sharing my experience and you know I've written some articles trying to encourage employers to like look outside of their normal pool of CS graduates to and think about like what else someone can bring to the team and then once they're on the team like how you can help them be a very valuable member of yeah, their team. Sure, how to support them in a unique way and knowing them mm-hmm. as an individual uh, as opposed to like, oh, their wonky hire that they made uh, that <laughs> is different. Uh, yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that. It's good work to be doing though. And it's important because, you know, as now we're in it, let's help folks also take on that path and, and make sure that they don't feel alone and find a community. It's so important. Do you, do you notice that you mm-hmm. kind of use skills that you learned in your past in the beer sales industry today in your role as a software engineer? I think being in sales really helped me like learn to communicate and also it helped me understand the product mm-hmm. side of things. So um, I ah, think those two important. things are like yeah. the biggest things that I brought over. I think definitely being in sales helped me get my first job um, because I'm just kind of like a more natural networker. It doesn't really stress me out to like reach out to a random stranger on LinkedIn and be like, Hey, like, I want to hear more about what you're up to. Like, let's grab coffee or now Zoom meeting or something. That was, I was always cold calling people and reaching out. And if they don't respond, like I don't go cry in a corner about it. I'm fine. So I think like it definitely helped me get that first job. And then now that I'm in the field, I feel like because I enjoy like presenting and stuff like that and enjoy communicating and I'm an extrovert and I just love kind of like working with people. I think that will like be an asset in my career is just, it'll help me, especially as I like learn more, like I'll, I'll be a really enthusiastic mentor someday and, and like a good communicator on the team. And I, I do understand where like the sales and product sides are coming from. And so I think those have helped me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're able to have like empathy of these other orgs that are going to be any company present and able to kind of like bridge the gap a bit and speak different languages. And yeah, I think I imagine you're an asset to any skill. I'm thinking like, should, do I need to poach you? Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> so you sound great. If you're ever interested in a world of developer relations, let's chat. Uh, but yeah, it's been relatively recent. You're able to kind of think about both worlds. Are there any major like life lessons or big takeaways that you've learned since this transition to tech? I think like the biggest thing for me is just knowing once you encounter a difficult problem or something comes up that you're like, I have no idea how to do this or I've never heard of these things. Like there's only one way through that. Like you figure it out. And I think like at the beginning when I was going into tech, um, I would get stuck and I'd be like, oh my God, I will never figure this out. This is where my career ends. Like I am the same way. Oh, I get so doomsday. I'm like, it's over. I'm done here. I <laughs> Like they're just gonna fire me. It's yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm the same way. Uh, and I think that's such a good point though too, because when we're taught, and I don't know if this is, like is similar for you, but I remember in math, it's like there's one correct way. Geom- I failed geometry because the proof concept. It was like you had to execute things exactly as was prescribed, and there was it's either right or it's wrong. And I love in programming in particular, that there is not one correct way to tackle something. And we can be innovative and creative with how we approach a solution. And that for me is such a creative form of expression. And it's so exciting to continuously develop and discover new routes to that and, or to a solution. And it just feels like there's no possible way to plateau in the space because there's forever something to learn and there's always more out there. Yeah. I love the continuous learning. And I, I feel like I said when I was in college, I was like, if I could go to school for the rest of my life and get paid for it, I probably yeah. would. like, I love yeah. learning. I feel happy on that path. And I mean, there are some sprints where I'm like, you know what? I just want to work on something that I'm vaguely familiar but, uh, with. Yeah. Or like, I want to feel successful in something and like, yeah. have some Jira tickets go through. Yeah. No, I get that. I think, yeah, for me, having previously been a teacher, I was really curious about switching roles and being a student again. I was done. I, I, I didn't want to be the person with all of the answers anymore. And now I've never again happened. Like, it's so <laughs> great. It's, I just forever get to be a student to something. And that feels really energizing and I, filling. I guess that background makes you a good mentor as well. I've ended up in the space of developer education, which is just the perfect blend of the two of loving, you know, the art of pedagogy and like how curriculum is constructed and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also loving to build a website or make an app. And it's really fun now. I just get to kind of help other folks use our APIs and put out cool content on creative solutions with these things can offer. And so that piece is really interesting. And what's fun about this podcast is I end up getting to talk to folks that feel really lucky and excited about their jobs. And so many other industries don't have that. Like it is so cool how many of us wake up freaking stoked to be working on what we're working on. It gives me like a fire and it's exciting. And how many different paths there are in tech too. It's yeah, you can you can be managing, you can be teaching or doing DevRel or like, and then even within each of those, then there's so many different languages and frameworks. And yeah, it's, it's right. And there's, yeah, there's just all these different languages. And it's like, there's a full adorable community attached to all of them. And so it's like, pick your poison. (laughs) It is really interesting too. I think like boot camps have the 
they're at a really particularly interesting place in a developer's journey in that what they teach there, there's a lot of power behind that and responsibility of like folks then will love that particular language, most likely their entire career or always have like a fondness for it. And so that is, yeah, it's just like a big opportunity to get in there early. Yes, you got it. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm so excited for you, but also it's so awesome that you found this. Do you ever end up feeling like an outsider or is life it's approved, you know, all sunshine? If you do ever feel like an outsider, you know, how do you deal with those feelings? I don't know if I ever feel like an outsider. I definitely feel like sometimes like stuff is way over my head. Like when we start talking about like authentication mm-hmm. and authorization, I, which is something we've been working on recently, I tend to get a little more lost. And that can be a time where I kind of like my reaction can kind of be to like mm-hmm. kind of withdraw back into myself and be like, oh, scary, like a topic that I know nothing about. And I think in that case, like, I just try and really actively listen to my teammates who know a lot more than I do about it and do a little research on the side and, and just try and try and absorb as much as I can. Because I also know that at this point in my career, like, you know, the senior engineers on the team aren't looking to me to come up with the architecture for like a good authentication. Like I know that my job right now really is to learn and be able to take that knowledge so that next time this conversation comes up, I can, I can contribute more. And, you know, if seniors or other people on the team leave, then maybe next time I can be the one to pass on that knowledge. So I just sometimes have to like shift my, my point of view in terms of what we're working on. And if I'm more learned, like if I'm learning more heavily, or if I'm more actively participating based on what we're doing. But I've never felt like an outsider. I've just had varying levels of feeling like I don't know what we're talking about, I guess. Yeah. But but no one on the team has ever made right. me feel like that was necessarily a bad thing. People look at it as an opportunity to learn. Yeah, I think it's really cool that you're in a space where it's okay to not know that and you're able just to be like, oh, I'm going to identify that. I'm And I'm excited too because I bet in like what, a few months time, this episode will be completely out of date because you will already understand it and be like a wizard at it and be like, okay, what's the next thing I don't know? And on to the next. And yeah, I think it's a fast paced kind of thing. Um, Do you have any advice for those that are wanting to transition into tech that you can share? I would say if you're thinking about getting into tech, like there are so many different ways you can be involved in the field. Like if you feel analytical, that part of your brain can be put to work. If you feel creative, don't feel like there's not a space for you because there is creativity involved. And, and I would say like, definitely try and and build a community. Mm. I didn't know anyone in tech when I took the leap into a bootcamp. And on my first day in my bootcamp, I started a Twitter account, which I'd never used Twitter before. Um, And I just started asking questions to the community, like, what is React? Why is it so hard? (laughs) Where are some resources that like can help me? And people were so great about offering help and resources. And I, yeah, I know that like Twitter has some negative connotations and there's some, you know, rabbit holes you can dive down of like negativity there, but I've had such a positive experience on there as like, and it makes me feel like I'm part of a tech community, especially while we're all remote. I feel like I have like a bunch of people around me that I can constantly 
be learning from or bounce ideas off of. And yeah. I think that's been really important for my career. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, that's a, it's absolutely an important step in it all too. And like find a community. And if you don't have one, like ask for one, you know, mm-hmm. go to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that is the, the pretty like direct path towards it. Okay. Well, uh, go ahead, Caitlin, make your shout out. What uh, would you like listeners to go check out or the resources you can share? I guess follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm at the Kate Code. Um, and Cute. I love that. <laughs> I also write articles on Dev. Um, I've kind of taken a bit of a break this year with COVID, but I have like a bunch of articles outlined that I'm going to start writing again um, after the first of the year. So uh, let's keep an eye out for me stuff and hopefully it can be helpful to folks either entering the industry or new to the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it will be. Uh, I think that it's just, it's the content you're putting out there is so timely too. So thank you for creating it. It's important to like narrative. It's an important narrative to be shouting from the rooftops. So, so thank you. Right back at you. I really appreciate what you're doing on this podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, thank you again for being a guest and I hope you have an incredible rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Today I'm speaking with Dan Moore, author of Letters to a New Developer, who has 20 years of developer experience and, as he says, has been around the block when it comes to working as a software developer. Dan, thank you for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell me about your book, Letters to a New Developer. Sure. So I don't know whether you or your audience is familiar with the concept of code katas. Is that something you've heard of? Code katas. No, not me. No, I haven't. Katas, um, I think, sorry, it's a, a K-A-T-A-S, but- Oh, code Katas. Okay. Yep. Um, I think it comes from an Eastern religion, Buddhism or Zen, I'm not sure. But um, the idea is that you have these very small snippets of wisdom that you can read and they don't give you answers. They, they like prompt questions in your mind and they make, mm-hmm. is the kind of the original Kata- and then it's been turned into code katas, which is really just kind of a, a simple, small problem that uh, you can pretty easily understand. And then you can dive into and kind of make tweaks to, look around it. It might be something as simple as sorting an array, right? Um, and so I've seen that and I've learned languages by using code katas. Uh, Ruby has a lot of them. Uh, other languages do as well. But... I, I guess I kind of wanted to write something like that that was not around coding in particular, but around everything that happens around coding. Because when I started out, I thought coding was the end all be all. And sure, <laughs> as anybody who's been on a team for longer than maybe two weeks realizes, the code is important, but it's not the only thing. And so there's a bunch of other things that make you a successful developer. And I wanted to do that. Uh, Talk, talk about my experience with that in bite-sized chunks. Right. So it's made up of letters to your past self, illustrating lessons that you've learned and kind of what you wish you had known when you were just starting. Absolutely. And, you know, that was definitely the original premise. As I've gone on, it's been 
I've definitely added letters to people that are starting out now, right? Because mm -hmm. if I'd known 20 years ago, the world was a different place than it is now. But, and then Good I started to bring in guest voices too, because I think a lot, you know, one thing I always give, whenever I give people advice, I always say, you know, it's coming, the advice that I give is coming from where I'm, where I am. And, right. you know, if you want to go get a job at Google or Facebook, some of my advice can be useful, but some of it shouldn't be, right? Because I've never done that thing. So uh, I like bringing up perspectives from other people because that just makes it a richer experience for uh, a reader. Yeah, that's really thoughtful. I think it's always important to hear different versions of advice or perspectives from, you know, different life experiences. Why, why in the first place did you start writing these letters? You know, I know you've been doing it for a bit. You have a blog uh, of the similar title of the same title. Yeah. So the blog, so, so actually the blog is uh, free to anybody, right? So you can go to letters to newdevelopercom nice. and check it out and you can sign up for my newsletter there and you'll get the, the letters and it, shares a lot of overlapping content with the book. I did revise, I, I pulled maybe 90% of the book from the blog, but I revised it all, pushed it together, pulled it apart, had it reviewed by other people. So it's not the same content, but sure. very similar. So you yeah, can get a good yeah. feel for it. And I encourage everyone to visit the blog because I'm a huge fan of, of um, I mean, I, well, first of all, I would say don't ever write a book for the money, right? I, I really enjoy writing the book, but you're not going to make a ton of money writing a book. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, I guess the point is the message, getting the message out is more important to me than making money. But uh, your question was, why did I start doing this? And I guess the answer was kind of twofold. One is I wanted a topic that I knew I was going to be interested in for a long time. I'd previously written a technology ebook. And as soon as we, as soon as I finished the technology ebook, I actually stopped using the technology. And so I was frustrated with that experience. And then second thing is, I feel like as someone who's been around the block, as, as you put it, uh, charitably, thank you, I appreciate that. I feel like it's a good time to give back. And there's a ton of different ways to give back, right? I mean, mentoring sessions, talking to people, donating to, to groups that, that need money that help bring other people in technology, you know, even just being a mentor on, or, or helping someone find their first job or being a mentor on your team um, and not being one of those crufty senior developers that doesn't help people. Those are all ways to get back. And this is just a way that resonated with me. Nice. Yeah, I can understand that. What would you say, this might be a spoiler, but what do you, what's a, the most important letter in your opinion? For people in general or people that are transitioning from a career outside of tech? Let's go with career outside of tech because that's our audience here. Sure. So I would say probably the most important uh, letter there is don't work alone. And I feel like sometimes there's, mm -hmm. when you're moving from a different career, you can be tempted to take the first job that you can get. And people do this where they take a job where they're like mm. the only developer on the team or you know one of a very small number or you know they're kind of the only developer for this area of the business and that is going to lead you to to mm -hmm. not fulfill your potential as a developer because you won't have anyone to model after uh, inside your company right you can always look outside your company but 
I think it's really important just that sheer amount of time you spend with people inside your company versus the amount of time you can spend with people outside in your community means that you just have a lot more learning experiences. So I would say, don't take the first job that's offered, even if it seems like a great job, if, if you're not going to have the opportunity mm -hmm. to learn from people that are in the same sphere, like in software development. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with a community of folks that you feel comfortable and safe learning from and welcome that sort of uh, relationship. Sure. I think that's absolutely incredible advice. What do you hope readers take away after reading your book? I hope that they learn, and maybe this is, you know, again, this comes back to my experience, right? Like I, I may be assuming that people are not knowing this, but again, I would just say that the idea that software development is so much more than code. And I think, especially when you're just starting out, especially if you've just gone through like a, a intense experience, like a boot camp, or an intense experience, like learning how to code on your own, you will uh, put overemphasis, or I, I will put, I, I put overemphasis, uh, I overemphasize, excuse me, I overemphasize the, the power of code and the importance of code to the overall solution, but there's so much more. And, you know, that includes, that ranges from just being able to work as a team to, you know, other technologies that surround and support your code to even just being able to connect your code in a very clear way to the business value that you're trying to deliver because, you know, sorry, folks, yeah. no one hires developers just because they like developers. They hire them for a business need and to solve business problem. And the more you can understand that, the more successful I think you're going to be in the long term as a developer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's super fair. I In the chapter, Understanding the Business, I thought it was really poignant when you said software is about people, not code. And that really rings true to me. Uh, and I'm excited for the listeners to be able to check this out and give it a read and um, participate in the community that you're kind of cultivating over there. And I think it's really neat the way that you invite uh, external authors to participate in it as well. So it's all really, really great. Uh, and I'm excited to add this as a resource for, for the We Belong Here community. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, thank you so much for the work you're doing too. I firmly believe that there's so much great software that needs to be written and we need a variety of different perspectives and a variety of different mm -hmm. people to do it. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for uh, chatting with me today and, and telling us all about letters to a new developer. And I believe we have a discount code in the, we'll add it to the show notes. Yep. That, that sounds great. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, listeners go check it out and let us know what you think. Thank you so much. Lauren. Have a great day, Dan. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, find me on Twitter at lolocoding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.